We're joined for the morning brief by Deb Hutton, former senior advisor to two Ontario premiers. Nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning, John. All right. So you're a little out of sorts over a Doug Ford cabinet minister quitting to run for the feds. Yeah, I, I am really, really disappointed in Parm. Uh, look, I, I get it. And I actually think it's great when politicians are in municipal politics or school board politics and they run for another level of government. We even see it in reverse sometimes. You know, uh, John Tory was a provincial uh, member of parliament and then decided to run for mayor. All for that. Here's my problem. When you bounce from top to bottom and back up again and you run in this riding and then this riding and then this riding, I, I get really sick of it because that tells me it's not about public service. It's about the individual. So Parm has run in York West. He has run in Brampton ridings. He has run in Milton ridings. And now at least he's staying in Milton for this, but he's he heading back up to the feds. So, you know, federal, provincial, federal. And as he well knows, this opens a seat for Bonnie Crombie. So this is selfish and I am incredibly disappointed. Well, at least it's a new riding. So uh, he's not running against my friend Adam Vancouverden, so I guess you know that's yeah, one not thing. my concern on that one, John. Yeah, I know, I get it. <laughs> he's fun to go biking with. Okay, so uh, cops running up a seven point five million dollar overtime bill, policing protests. I know this is represented in the pages of the Sun as outrageous, but I have to think there's a contingency fund for you know stuff that happens. Well, a couple of things here. I mean, obviously, none of us like the notion that there is a big bill for it. But I hope all of us like the notion that it has kept us more safe. Here's the real underlying issue, given that we are in budget season in the city of Toronto. If the figures are accurate in the sun, they say that we have the same number of cops as we did 20 years ago and 600 fewer police officers, boots on the ground, than we did in 2020. So there may be other places that can uh, have greater efficiencies in the police budget, but on the surface, and then you have events as we did in, well, since October that cost money, I have a hard time swallowing Chow's numbers on the police budget, which are $12 million less than the police service budget say they need. We really need to find a way to know if we're getting the right value and have the right number of police officers for the budget. I'm not 100% sure how you do it, but when you can pull out numbers such as the same number of cops as 20, as 20 years ago, and yet we know full well how much our population has grown, I got a problem with Olivia Chow's budget. And actually, when it comes to just sheer numbers, I've never been able, I mean, I've talked to Alec Mukherjee, who's now an expert in policing after having headed up the police board. Uh, I've talked with all kinds of people. Nobody ever can come up with the ratio. Joe Cristiano, if I can interrupt you for a moment, you had the numbers the other day for New York versus Toronto in terms of population versus number of police officers. I, I looked it up. Yeah. New York City has one police officer for every 255 residents, where Toronto has one for every 554. Okay. Although we're largely more peaceable, I imagine. But but it feels like that, don't you think, John? When you, you just were in New York recently, when you yeah. walk the streets of New York versus when you walk the streets of Toronto, it feels like that's a real number. 
Oh, absolutely. But they also are more prone in New York City, for example, to foot patrol. And I wish we had more foot patrol. I wish we had those police officers now that we had in the 50s who would walk the street, get to know the the people in the area, try the doorknobs of various places to make sure the doors were locked. You know, I, I think that that is better policing. I love it, and I love it in the schools, but that debate apparently has come and gone. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm fully on board with uh, cops in schools. So, Justin Trudeau, I have to think when you were working for the provincial government that there were times where you would have been in a caucus meeting where the leader is sort of saying, okay, everything's good, I'm still in charge, we're all good, this is great, and either it takes or it doesn't. Uh, yes, <laughs> but we always had a plan. Okay. Right. I don't know what the liberal plan is. You and I talked on on our Monday segment this week, John, about what I think Trudeau has to do as a, as a, a political observer, and he actually did that yesterday in caucus. Uh, the third thing, which was brand Polyev. We can talk about whether the particular approach to branding yesterday was effective or not, but at least he's showing some gumption uh, in doing that. But the first part was. You know, rebrand yourself, figure out who you are. He hasn't done that. All the walking pictures I saw of Trudeau going in and out of cabinet retreat in Montreal and in and out of caucus are so smug and arrogant. I don't know how you get past it. It may just be who he is. But man, I like I'm never voting for him. But he's got to try and appeal to some people who for whom he might have uh, an opportunity to get their vote. And I've seen nothing on a personal level. And you got to start there. The second thing I said was plan. And so to your point, we've always had a plan. And the whole pro approach was, here's the plan. Here's how we win with that plan. I don't see any of it, as I said. At least you started to try and brand Polyev. Maybe too little, too late. Part of that you know, effort to taint Polyev has been harping on Daniel Smith entertaining Tucker Carlson in Alberta. And I do have to wonder why she did it. I mean... Tucker Carlson is not only not a broadcaster anymore, but he cost his company $800 million. And in some respects, he's kind of a hate monger. I mean, he suggested Justin Trudeau was gay at his presentation. And, you know, the subtext of that is that to be gay is to be weak. And so it's kind of pandering to hate. A hundred percent. I, uh, first of all, I don't think overall it is a big deal. Danielle Smith is known for doing things that aren't exactly orthodox, something most of us would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, again, overall, I don't think it's a big deal, but I have no understanding why she would ever do it, right? It's unnecessary. It's not very smart to do. It gained her nothing in my view. I mean, I'm having a hard time thinking, why would you say yes? Every invitation you get when you're premier, you think, what's the value of this? And what's the downside? And I see no value and a lot of downside. Um, that being said, I this notion of whether it's Tucker Carlson or it's it's Trump, the notion of tying Polyev and many conservatives to Trump here in Canada, I don't know if that has traction. Like I'm a pretty keen observer of politics, I think. And I just don't see that with the exception of a few very far left on on individual rights i don't think generally speaking that's what canadians are open to or thinking about i think they want to hear what are you doing on housing 
What are you doing on taxes and affordability? What are you doing about my grocery bill? And I'm not sure that Donald Trump is so, you know, inflationary in his in his efforts that we're worried that if he acts like Trump here, Polyev, I mean, or Daniel Smith, for that matter, that that's going to shoot up my grocery bills or make housing less affordable. It just the connection doesn't work for me. Yeah, but scaremongering has worked for the liberals before. Yeah, but now they got a leader who's pretty scary in some ways. <laughs> We're at a racetrack here. Thanks a lot, Deb. Good to have you. See you soon. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers. She'll be guest hosting The Rush this afternoon, starting at 2 p.m.